Hi, welcome to the 79th episode of In The Vitrine. This is Danny. This is Nadia. And today, <laughs> we, are... we had like an awkward pause. <laughs> okay, go on. Uh, and I'm recording from Paris. <laughs> so I'm recording in Singapore, but I just came back from Melbourne. And um, I guess we are going to talk about the exhibitions that we've each seen in London, where you just were, Danny, and yes. Melbourne, where you know I was visiting family. Um, so maybe I'll start. Uh, I'll talk about you know the show I saw, Queer Stories from the NGV Collection at the National Gallery Victoria. One of my favorite museums. I think they have such amazingly well-curated shows. You know, the space always feels very welcoming, warm. Um, I don't know what it is, Danny. Like, you know, you know what I mean, right? Like the lighting is good and then it feels like yeah, every part of the gallery is the very exhibition together and, and yeah. it was so well designed. There's a lot of space. Yeah, it's a very um spacious building but it doesn't feel empty <laughs> no yeah and I think we, I also saw the Gautier show there and I really like that with like the mannequins with the talking faces Face. so I, I, have good memories. Yeah. I have good memories of the museum so the queer um show I thought was awesome um at first I was a little confused about what was included because it was in several rooms across the third floor and so um well, one thing I really like about it is that it's free entry, so that's great. Um, there was also oh. the Picasso show um, downstairs, which wasn't um, free entry, but it was equally uh, engaging. But I'm going to talk about a queer one because what I really liked about it was how there was, it was really multimedia. So, you know, usually you go to an exhibition like this and you would think like, okay, you know, it's just paintings, um, usually quite two-dimensional, maybe some sculptures. Um, but this one was, it, it really showed the, the breadth um, of the collection at NGV because they also had, for example, you know, lots of items, right? Like ceramics, for instance. Um, they had dress, of course. And then they even had music. So music was a part of it. Like, you know, they oh. would have this soundtrack and say like, oh, you know, this is part of the collection. I thought that was really awesome because oftentimes the auditory doesn't exist alone in an exhibition because exhibitions tend to feel very visual. And then the auditory is more like an accompaniment rather than like something that stands on its own. So I really enjoyed that. And I think what I'm going to share are some of the highlight pieces for me, which are, I guess, to no one's surprise, the dress pieces. Um, so some of the items that I saw, which were really great, were like, for instance, the American Express go-kart dress by oh. Lizzie. That was really cool to see. You know, like all these iconic pieces, right? That yeah. you only read about and to see in person is really quite cool. So, oh, you know, this was yeah. made from 254 expired um, Amex card, gold cards. And she wore it the night she won the Oscar for Best Costume Design at the 67th Academy Awards. So that was so cool. Mm. And I think one thing that we've always enjoyed as well about shows at NGV is that the write-up is so good. Yes. Like, it's just so captivating, you know, equally captivating as the item uh, on display. Yeah, they, they're not afraid to have a bit of flair. You know, some, a lot of museums want to simplify the text. Mm. But in the NGV, there's like a little bit of flair. And, and like for the comic exhibition, they included the collector's voice as well in a separate caption. So they have fun with this voice. Yes. And they seem to have these like 
little facts, right, that are fun, a little tangential, but then it really adds to the richness, you know, of what we are looking at. Um, so I also saw some really fun things like from, um, well, the, the thing is that at first I thought they would just have like very Australian um, pieces, but not really, you know, they also had things from like Adrian, for example. Oh, wow. um, so that was really nice. Yeah, so they had like a, um, the, yeah, like the, a dress from Adrian. The iconic uh, Hollywood uh, costume maker. Exactly. And then they also had some um, items from like, well, Helmut Lang, that's also um, not from Australia, but that was really cool. Like a menswear piece, a astro jacket and leather trousers from the Autumn Winter 99 collection. That was really cool to see. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I, how, how were they um, ref, um, talking, contextualizing queer through, through those pieces? I think they were looking at, I mean, in, in various ways. So either, you know, from like queer artists themselves, um, mm. that might not necessarily be reflecting upon queerness. Uh, mm. Some of them were very much to do with queerness. Uh, so, you know, artworks that talked about, for example, the HIV pandemic in the 1980s. Um, mm -hmm. So, for instance, um, I forget the artist's name now, but, you know, there was like a jacket that had the names of the artist's friends who had lost their lives to HIV, like embroidered on it and things like that. So that was really cool to see. And yeah, I really mm -hmm. enjoyed walking through um, and kind of like, you know, peering at things more closely, reading the write-ups and then learning so much in my afternoon there. Yeah, what about right. for you? I know, you know, you, you went to visit an exhibition we were both really excited to read about. So tell me more. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, one of the big exhibitions that, um, fashion exhibitions that are happening in London now is the Fashioning Masculinities, the Art of Menswear at the Victoria and Albert Museum. And the exhibition has amazing objects. Um, it is sponsored by, in partnership with Gucci. So it's really interesting as we are thinking about gender fluidity, how, you know, to define to, to have fluidity, there's also an assumption that there is some sort of um, initial uh, black and white truths, right? So I think masculinity is such a huge topic. It was very ambitious and that it's just like any exhibition that tries to define something so big, it's, it, it's going to have you know, it's, it's a little bit difficult, but the objects were amazing. Um, the, you are greeted with a crepe green piece where the whole garments deconstructed on these metal um, places uh, with these metal rods. And there's three sections in the exhibition. Um, there is undressed, uh, overdressed and redressed. And it spans like, you know, over 200 years. And if you look even earlier, um, 700 to 800 years of dressing, which is, which is pretty crazy. But the first room is um, very arresting. It, it, it's all white and it's referencing the Greek sculptures of like, um, you know, how the ideal male nude was um, dressed or, or, or sculpted. And I think one of the things that I enjoyed was the, man, the choice of mannequins. They, they, instead of using, you know, really, kind of regular male mannequins they they got these custom mannequins that had a smaller frame and they showed um one of them um wearing a 
binder and you know how wearing the undergarments that trans men would wear to um, dress themselves into the the gender that they they that they want to um, embody so then you see that mannequin being used in in other parts of the exhibition so you can kind of see that trans body literally in in the space um but because it was so ambitious sometimes i did wish that you know uh maybe it could have been in different parts or or something for example the the influence of asian garments to menswear is very very important it you know the banyan um, the, the materials and they did have some objects that spoke about this but uh, it was kind of touch and go um and the captions were um they they were not very elaborate they were quite brief and i think it's just you know they are this world-class institution that you know expects so many people every day and who speak different um, languages and so english might not be the first language and so they kind of have like a simpler approach to writing the captions right but yeah but it was interesting to see i mean it's interesting to see that for many years already we've been seeing this conversation on gender and and of course it takes museums a bit more time to to develop these projects i'm sure this project has been around has been in the works for like years and then the pandemic struck so yeah yeah I like that you mentioned the last category is redress, right? So it's kind of like a nod to how maybe masculinity is, you know, something that isn't quite what we think. And then how maybe yeah. it hasn't been what we thought all along, but it's just become more obvious to us, right? Because of course, um, people have experimented with how to express their gender throughout time. It's just that now it's become like a much more open conversation. So, uh, I, yeah. Uh, I Exactly. So the, the exhibition ends, like the redress back, uh, part has like subcultural dress that always tries to, you know, um, subvert what norms, gender norms or identity norms there are. Um, and it ends with this um, big installation, video installation with like um, dancers and, and has like a section referencing RuPaul. Um, okay. I'm, but I'm a huge fan of RuPaul and I think that the, the, that, that magic of you know watching drag queens uh, transform and express themselves wasn't really caught in the static forms uh, mm. and then the video piece. So um, RuPaul should curate that part. <laughs> yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, I think sometimes with sprawling exhibitions, because I, I was like thinking, you know, when I walk through the exhibition, the queer exhibition, like halfway through, I was like, oh, okay, I think I should talk about this with Danny for ITV. Um, so I started taking pictures, but then it was quite patchy. And I feel like some parts of the exhibition, I got a bit lost in terms of what I was supposed to understand from the work. And then sometimes I didn't even know if like that particular gallery was like part of queer for some reason. It just wasn't very obvious to me. And I think that's um, sometimes the challenge of putting together, like you said, you know, like a like huge exhibition with like multiple objects. It's really hard to distill or to get the story. Um, it can get lost, whereas like a more intimate one might get across the message better. Um, but that's not to say that we didn't enjoy these exhibitions. You know, they were oh, really yeah. loved it. Yeah, and I mean to see the the objects. The objects are the the V&A has the, like access to some of the best um, 
objects. So they managed to um, have some items that had been in their collection and never been shown before, like this um, uh, sculptures with um, men in lace collars. And then they could show the actual lace collar to show you the, the, the skill of this craftsman. So there were a lot of yeah. tiny little stories. And then they even had a section on like dyes and colors. And um, so there's definitely so much to see still. Um, Yes. But vicious. <laughs> I think what my takeaway from queer the queer show was like, wow, like there's so many more things that I don't know about that are so exciting. Um, and I found myself jotting down names and titles to like Google later. So that was super fun. It felt like an elongated sort of um excursion for me. So I really enjoyed that. And I'm not sure whether I would be able to catch the masculinity show, but I would love to do that. And I think, you know, it was also interesting for us to talk about how I loved the captions, the write-ups for the queer show. And then you talked about how for the masculinity show, like it was quite spare. Um, and actually this reminds me of when I went for the Alexander McQueen at VNA. And then I thought like, oh, I wanted more information I didn't have in. And I felt a little like, mm, you know, um, but I don't know whether that's quite particular to us because we're always like, oh, what? Tell us more, like tell us the context, <laughs> tell us the culture of it. Um, and then sometimes people just want to see it for what it is and be wowed by it. I don't know. Yeah, but. Yeah. Mm. I, I do think that the exhibition really does a good job of showing that, you know, we always think that men's wear is practical, but just like women's wear, it's about identity. It's about expression. It's about laws. It's about, you know, sh society and showing your space, your place in it, and, yes. and crop. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess it's about stories that we tell ourselves yeah. and we tell others. Um, yeah. So, and, <laughs> yeah. And how that, genders can, uh, gender is a construction, right? So they're deconstructing in it, in that. <laughs> cool. I think that's a good point to stop. Um, I think basically because Danny and I forgot to time it today, I think. Um, but um, thank you so much for listening. And if you like what you listen to here, our conversations about what we see, what we're thinking about, please um, subscribe to our podcast at In The Vitrine. And you can also find us at Fashion & Market on Instagram. Bye. Bye.